for us. This is the last Sunday in January, and so far across this month of January, we've been looking at, in a sense, vision, purpose. We feel that God has given us this, or giving to us this new lens. And this morning, I kind of want to just try and begin to bring some of that to, to land and call out perhaps where I think we're going to be or what we might begin to see over this next period as we begin to journey with this new lens. So bear with me just as we talk about this for one kind of final Sunday, although I'm sure we'll be hinting at it through <coughs> our journey. Is that okay? I don't know what I would have done if you'd said no, if I'm honest. I don't, I don't have an option for that in the notes. <coughs> okay, if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Genesis chapter 12? Genesis chapter 12, we're going to read the first three verses together. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is a dialogue between God and Abraham as we would know him. And Abraham is quite an important figure in faith, in the journey of faith. In fact, many times as God reveals himself and introduces himself to his people, he's revealed and even referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So as God is introducing himself, he's introducing himself in relation to Abram and in relation to the, the relationship that he has with him. And, and that would suggest then that Abraham is a big player within the story of faith. And the verses that we read today and that we springboard from today record the moment that God first called Abraham. And as we unpack them, I think it's quite important for us to highlight that according to Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2, Abraham, before this moment, was a worshiper of other gods. And what that would suggest then, that this moment that we read of is for Abraham a bit of a conversion moment. This is a moment in which God begins to reveal his reality, begins to reveal his identity. He brings Abraham into a life-changing experience with himself. And what's interesting is that as God does that, as he brings him into this conversion experience, right off the bat, he equips him with vision and purpose. And when we apply that to our lives, we begin to learn that when we give our lives to Jesus, whether it's within a conversion-type moment or whether it's part of growing up or whether it's part of a, a process of discipleship, when we give our lives to Jesus, we are saved for a purpose. Amen? From that initial instance of surrender, we are instantly wrapped up within God's purpose, released into the agenda that God has for the world around us and that he has for the world within us. We are released into purpose. And Abraham encounters the reality of God. He has this conversion experience, as it were, and with his first awareness of God comes an awareness of purpose. God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. This is purpose. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. With an awareness of God, 
comes an awareness of purpose. But equally, what God says to him here is, Abraham, as you begin to journey with me, I've got stuff I want to show you. He says, go from this land and to the land that I'm going to show you. He says, as you, as you journey with me, as we begin this journey of faith, there's stuff I want to show you. There's some stuff I want you to see. There's some stuff I want you to look for, to watch for. Now, capture for a moment what is happening here. Abraham turns from worshiping other gods. He steps into a relationship with the living God and at the same time is given purpose and is told that he's going to see something entirely different and entirely new compared to his current context. Go from where you are right now to what I have for you, for, to what I'm going to show you. In this moment, Abraham gets a brand new lens for life. And there is this common theme that we find through Scripture that God seems to give a new lens whenever He is transitioning purpose. As He brings the new dimension, as He brings the new context, the new culture, the new positioning, the new definition, the new whatever, as God brings shift and change, momentum and transition, He always seems to give a new lens because vision and purpose are intrinsically linked. So whenever God releases purpose, He always envisions. Whenever God releases purpose and reveals purpose, He always invites to see, to look for, and to watch. And that's what He does here with Abraham. He says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I'm going to show you. He says, I've got a purpose for your life. Here's the purpose. Nations, blessing, descending, all of that stuff. I'm inviting you to journey into that. And as I do, I'm calling you to watch for what I'm about to show you. This is new lane stuff that is happening right here. And we've been talking a lot about that. And if you missed it, we, we encourage you to, to catch up on a message a couple of weeks ago that we feel God really spoke quite profoundly to us about a new lens. And this morning, what we do, kind of as brief as we can, is follow a bit of Abraham's journey as he journeys with this new lens to look and understand what it's like to journey ourselves with the new lens. And the first thing that we draw from these verses is not new. We've been chatting quite a lot about it over the last few weeks. And that is that vision and purpose involves movement and obedience. It involves and brings change. The first thing that God says to Abraham is go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. God gives vision. He reveals purpose. And with that, he says, go. He tells him you need to move. You have to leave where you are and travel somewhere else. You have to take action. And we spoke about that last week, vision, action, unction. So for Abraham... Embracing the purpose of God involved change. And as we journey with God, we have to realize that the journey we are on is one of ever-evolving change. 
2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us that we with unveiled faces, we behold, we reflect, we contemplate the Lord's glory and we are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory or from one degree of glory to the next. Basically what it says is that every time we encounter him and encounter his presence, there is an element of transformation that is taking place and we are being changed and we are being transformed to become more and more like him. And it sounds hard to hear and it can jar us a little bit because we tend to view change as negative or change as this call that what has been isn't good enough and it's not okay and disregarding and disrespecting the past. And the truth is that change for change's sake is never healthy and it's not always necessary. But the journey of faith that we are on is one that involves constant change, constant transformation. This Christian walk is an ever-evolving cycle of change. So there is movement to this relationship of faith. God is moving in us. He's transforming our inner world and altering the components and the pieces of the body, the soul, and the spirit. And he's moving within us to bring us into alignment and to bring about likeness, to bring about his likeness. And as we journey with him, we have to recognize that this journey that we are on is one that involves and requires movement. He moves within us. But as well as that, he calls us to move with him. For Abraham, there was a very clear call for movement. Go from your country, your father's house, your people to the land that I'm going to show you. He says, go from this and go to that. Go from your country and go to the land that I'm going to show you. Go from your into mine. Move from the status quo. Move towards that which is new, that which is different, that which I'm going to show, and therefore that which is my will. Where you are right now is in line with your will. It's your country. Where I'm moving you to is where I've chosen. So it's my will. And the key to the new, the key to the movement is clearly to be able to see because God says what I'm moving you to is what I'm going to show you so you have to be able to see the key to him stepping into the fullness of what God has for him then is to allow God to shape what he sees and allow God to shape how he sees and there are two clear components for this one we've already mentioned movement and the other obedience now let's be clear not everyone will need to change location, move country, up sticks, leave the familiar, or even travel somewhere new in order to embrace the purpose of God for their lives. Just saying, if he wants to move me to Florida where it's constant sunshine, I'm open, totally open. Not everyone needs to change location to step into the purpose of God. The reality is that when we begin to live in purpose and we begin to live out the purpose of God, it is going to involve change. It involves embracing movement. It involves embracing the movement that he brings to the components of our inner world as well as the components of the outer world. And that can't be done without obedience. God calls Abraham to go and he promises that he's going to show him the land that he's to enter. And the only way that he can move with God is if he's obedient and agrees to move from the status quo, agrees to step into the unknown, agree to travel towards the question marks. 
It's interesting that God doesn't say, go from this, this land that you know from your father's household, go from the position that you're aware of, and here is where I'm going to tell you to go. Here is the name of it. Here's what it looks like. It's not like God is saying, I want you to move from Glasgow to Edinburgh. Oh. He, he doesn't call out the where. So the interesting he, thing here is that Abraham is called to move from that which he's familiar with and transition into the question marks. To go to the land that God will show him, which means that he is to begin to journey looking for, watching for what God says is next. And the hinge pin in this then is obedience. It's all out surrender. And this is quite important because the moment that we, like Abraham in this passage, the moment that we make the decision to live in accordance with God's plan instead of our plans, then in that moment we place a new master over our destiny. And we relinquish control. We choose to live in accordance with the voice of God and to let his voice and his word direct our forward journey. And that means that when we begin to live that way, then moving forward in purpose is going to involve change. And the next statement might sound a bit harsh and it might even sound a bit cliche and it might sound like one of those power statements that leaders tend to use to incite a response or to get some, some change, but that's not the heart behind this statement. What we have to understand is that embracing the purpose of God will never, ever, ever result in maintaining the status quo. Actually, that's really big. If we really want to embrace the purpose of God, and if we really want to move into the purpose of God, then we have to grasp the truth that that means the status quo will not remain. Change will come. We are invited into a move of God. We are invited into the movement of God. We are invited to be moved by God, and we are invited to move with God. We are invited into change, and this call is not just about a season or a phase of church life and church ministry. This call is called discipleship, and it's one that involves radical change in our lives, radical change in our outlook, change in our pursuit, change in the forward direction and journey that our day-to-day -day living begins to take, and obedience is the key to stepping into that is being willing to move with his voice and surrender to his voice and obedience then is the catalyst that brings change and releases us into the purpose of God. When we get a vision of what it is that God is calling to us, when we begin to say yes to his will, when we begin to be obedient to him from that moment onwards, from the moment of yes and amen, from the moment of surrender, we should begin to expect change. Because vision and purpose involves movement and obedience. It involves and brings change. And we as a church believe that God is calling us to embrace this new lens, to posture ourselves for the unveiling of the next stage of purpose. And that means that the season that we're stepping into is one that is going to involve movement and it's going to involve change. And the hinge pin for us to be willing to step into that is obedience, obedience to his voice. The second thing that we learn from these verses is this, that vision and purpose is bigger than you and I, 
It goes beyond us, and it's about seeing beyond the status quo. God says to Abram, he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. All the peoples on the earth are going to be blessed by you. The vision that he has given, the purpose that is revealed to Abraham is bigger than Abraham. It's bigger than his ability. It's bigger than his status. It's bigger than his wealth. It's bigger than his resources. It's bigger than his skill set. So it's not something that he can make happen. It's not something that he can accomplish by himself or achieve by his own merit. What God is outlining is so big that only God can bring it to pass. Abraham's going to get made into a great nation. All the peoples on the face of the earth are going to be blessed through him. What is outlined here as purpose is mahusiv. Do you know what? God's purpose for our lives and his purpose for our church is bigger than us. It is bigger and greater than anything that we can conjure up, anything that we can create is greater than anything that we can orchestrate or organize. It is bigger than our minds can think of, and it's greater than our imaginations can conceive. And what God outlines as purpose is that which only God can bring to pass. When God reveals purpose to us, he always gives vision. When he releases purpose, he always envisions. He calls us to see, to look for, to watch. He gives us glimpses beyond the current season and allows us to perceive what it is that he plans to do. And what he plans to do, his purpose goes beyond us. And so the purpose of God unfolding has to involve the new lens. It has to involve us lifting our vision beyond the status quo to look beyond what is and to begin to watch for and look for what can be. To begin to see what should be and what will be. Look at what God tells Abraham. He tells him that all the people on the face of the earth is going to be blessed through him. The, the purpose of God is going to have an impact beyond him. And when God reveals purpose to us, he extends an invitation to become part of what is unfolding on the earth, to be part of something bigger and greater than us, something that is beyond us. And that really requires us to understand the third thing that we pull out from these verses. And that is that vision and purpose is about what God is doing, not about what we are doing. It's attached to him. I think it's so significant that in Genesis 12, when God communicates purpose to Abraham, he says to him, Hey, Abraham, here's what I'm going to do. And he doesn't say, hey, Abraham, here's what you're going to do. God says, I am going to bless you. I am going to make you into a great nation. It's about what I'm going to do. And this really puts things into perspective. All too often people, when talking about the vision that they have or the purpose that they're called to pursue, they outline in great detail what they are going to do and what they are called to do, when in actual fact, the vision and purpose of God is about what He is going to do, amen? The purpose of God is all about His activity. It's all about His plans and the unfolding of His will and His agenda. Therefore, the purpose and the vision is not ours, it's His. It's attached to him. And that's hugely important because it does reframe things and it helps us to see that actually our job is to steward his purpose. We don't own it. We steward it. That vision and purpose that we see, that we look for, that we watch for, it's attached to him and it's not attached to us. 
is his, it's not ours. He's the owner of it, he's the keeper of it, he's the architect of it, he's the giver of it, which means he is the source, and we are the stewards. We're blessed to run with it, we're blessed to experience it, but we must never make it all about us and what we are doing, but we should always make it all about him and what he is doing. And if we are just stewards of the vision and purpose, then that's really helpful because it means that the onus to see this unfold is on God. It's not on us. The responsibility for the purpose being realized and the vision being manifest, the responsibility for that is God's responsibility. So we don't have to try and manufacture it. We don't try and force it. We don't have to strive or beat ourselves up if it's not outworking the way that we think it should because it's His. Listen, the movement in this process is His. We're invited into, we are enveloped into the move of God and into the movement of God. We are invited to be moved by Him. The, the, the responsibility, our job, is obedience. Everything else is His job because it's attached to Him. He is the source. We are the stewards. So our call is to trust Him follow his movement, and let him do what he does best, which is being God. Because I don't know about you, but I've tried being God in my own life, and I suck at it. But he doesn't. And when we do, we begin to see the fourth and final thing that we call out from these verses in this part of the message, and that is that vision and purpose releases the influence of God within the affairs of life. God says to Abraham, here's purpose and here's how this is going to work. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those who bless you. And I'm going to curse those who curse you. <laughs> it's pretty amazing stuff. In other words, God says, I'm going to influence the affairs of your life. I'm going to release blessing upon you and blessing is going to follow you and blessing is going to be released through you and blessing is going to protect you. But notice how all of this starts. It starts with God saying, I am going to bless you. The source of the blessing and the movement of the blessing is attached to me, Abraham. The stewarding of the blessing is attached to you. In fact, what these words call out to us is that when you step out in obedience and when you begin to follow the movement of God in, in your inner world and in your outer world, then he begins to unleash the movement of blessing into your life and he begins to unleash the movement of blessing within the affairs of life. I guess another way that you could say that that might be easier is when you trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. When you acknowledge his plan and purpose in all of your ways and you recognize he is the source and the responsibility for this is on him, then what he begins to do is he begins to direct the path. And the influence of God begins to visit the path. And the presence of God begins to direct your whole life. And he opens and he closes doors and he releases resources and he instigates conversations and he brings people across the path and he removes obstacles and distractions and, he, and his goodness and love become our running mates. And he unfolds the fullness of himself in the entirety of our world and he, and he shapes our journey with his influence because the journey's actually all about him. He's the source. We are the steward. Now, as Abraham embraces his purpose and allows that to shape his vision as he receives this new lens and begins to journey with it, we notice that these four principles that we have 
just called out those components that we've listed are those that God begins to reinforce time and time and time and time again in Abraham's journey. In fact, in those moments of reinforcement, it's almost as though God is taking the lens that he's giving him in Genesis 12 and just fine-tunes it. Flip over the page to Genesis 13. And it says there in verse 14, the Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north to the south, to the east to the west, all the land that you see, I'll give to you and your offspring forever. I'll make your offspring like the dust of the earth. So if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go and walk through the length of the breadth of the land for I'm giving it to you. In Genesis 13, just one chapter over, God speaks to Abraham again about purpose, and he speaks to him again about his plans of what he plans to do through Abraham, and again, we see that with this revelation of purpose is a call to see, to look, to watch. He says, look around, look around from where you are to the north to the south, to the east, to the west, all the land you see, there is this call to see and to look. Again, as God reveals purpose, He speaks to vision as he, and He begins to adjust the lens so that the four components we've called out are seen again just in these few verses. He says to Abraham, look around from where you are. In other words, lift up your eyes beyond the status quo. Get a vision of what I'm calling you to let that vision fuel your onward journey. He calls out again to Abraham what he is going to do. He says, all the land you see, I will give it to you. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. Walk through the land because I am giving it to you. He's revealing again that the purpose that, that has been given is attached to God. It's what he's going to do in and through Abraham. God is the source. Abraham is the sure. We notice again that God calls for movement because he says, go and walk through the land. Walk about within it. The vision and purpose calls for movement and it calls for obedience and it evokes change. And we know that Abraham is obedient and does move because it literally says he moved in. He went to live near the great trees of Mamre and he pitched his tents and built an altar for the Lord. God says, go and walk about the land, go and move within it. And he moved into it. So he steps out in obedience. He changes his position. And finally, again, God calls out that what he's going to do is bigger than him. He says to him, I'm going to make your offspring like the dust of the earth. So if it could be counted, then your offspring could be counted. He says, this concept is impossible for anyone to get their head around to count the dust on the earth. He, he says, your descendants are going to be innumerable. The purpose that God is showing him is bigger than him. It's beyond him. It's not something he could orchestrate or manufacture in his own efforts. No human being could have that amount of offspring across their lifespan. It's impossible. They may have a lot of fun trying, but it'd be impossible. He says, this is greater and bigger than you. So we see then that God gives Abraham this purpose and he gives him vision and he gives him this new lens in chapter 12. But it's not then like he just leaves them with that lens and goes, right, off you trot. No, he's, he, he keeps moving and he keeps ministering to Abraham. And in doing so, he actually brings this fine tuning of the lens that Abraham has. So he's always to, able to see clearly through the lens that God has given him. And time and time again, we, we read God reinforcing the vision, reinforcing the purpose. 
And as he does, these same components are communicated and they keep coming up. And as he's doing that and as he's fine-tuning the lens, it's not just about detail, but it's actually about allowing Abram to see properly. It's almost like in chapter 12, he he gets given this lens and Abraham begins to look through it. And then as God journeys with him, he just begins to tweak the lens a wee bit and it comes into focus and suddenly that which was already there becomes clear. That which he hadn't seen and noticed before suddenly comes into focus. That's what we see God doing here. Because in chapter 12, uh, what is communicated to Abraham gets reinforced in chapter 13, but but there's more specifics. In chapter 12, God tells Abram, you're going to be a great nation. In chapter 13, God just adjusts the lens a wee bit. And he says, okay, let me drill down on that. Here's how this is all going to work. I'm going to give you as many descendants as there are dust on the face of the earth. God says, initially, chapter 12, I said nations. And nations involves people. So let me fine-tune your lens a wee bit just to bring that into focus so you can see what's already in that, but so you can see it clearer. So you know what to look for, so you know what to expect. I said nations, but actually what that means is I'm going to give you people. And I know initially I said nations, well, nations, to be nations, they occupy geographical locations. So let me fine-tune that lens a wee bit so you can see this a wee bit clearer. It was already there, but I'm just bringing that detail into your focus. Abraham, nations occupy geographical locations, and, and look, here is your spot. Look around you to the north, the south, the east, and the west. This is your spot. This is the place on earth that I'm calling you to occupy. It's like chapter 12 gives the big picture and chapter 13 reinforces the big picture but with smaller picture detail. And when we step into the purpose of God, God will reinforce his calling and his vision as we allow that to shape our journey. And as we journey into that, God will begin to add to the big picture, the small picture details. He'll begin to adjust the lens just so that that which is already there within the landscape of our life just suddenly comes into clarity, comes into focus. He'll bring us repeatedly to those moments of adjusting the lens to bring definition to perspective. And sometimes those moments when he does that, it's the most times it involves change. He brings movement and momentum into our lives in order to fine-tune and bring clarity to what we already know. Sometimes he strips back and prunes. Sometimes he moves us and positions us within the new or even outside the familiar. Sometimes he closes doors and opens windows. Sometimes he brings people in, takes people out. Sometimes he brings influences, speaks messages, alters the landscapes of life, provides opportunities, takes things away. And sometimes we find ourselves in seasons where God is bringing, giving us a brand new lens as we believe that he's doing. And sometimes we find ourselves in seasons where God is just fine-tuning the existing one to bring more definition to our outlook. Certainly for Abraham, there appeared to be many times that God brought focus and fine-tuned the lens. It's what he did in chapter 13, but if you slip over a couple of pages, you find he does it again in chapter 15. It says there in verse 1, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision Don't be afraid, I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? 
and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham says, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be the heir. And God continues to speak to him and says, this man will not be an heir, but the son of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and said to him, look up at the sky, count the stars, if indeed you can count them, so shall your offspring be. God again reveals purpose. The purpose is there. It's there again and again with the purpose comes a vision. He's like, look up. I want you to see stuff because vision and purpose are intrinsically linked. But here is this moment where it's a focus moment. It's most definitely a time when God is bringing some serious fine-tuning to the lens and, and the same information and components are there. He calls out the influence of God within the life of Abraham. He tells him, I'm your shield and your great reward. He's building on the promise of chapter 12. I will bless you. I will release blessing through you and I will curse those who curse you. But this time in chapter 15, instead of saying, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, this time God uses different language because he's adjusting the lens. He says, I'm your shield and your great reward. I'm going to protect you and I'm going to reward you. As you step out in purpose, the influence of God is going to be seen in the affairs of your life. And Abraham says, okay, about that, about the affairs of my life. I'm childless. You've spoken to me about descendants and I have none. So who's going to inherit my estate? Is it my servant? And God says, no, 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 this man is not going to be your heir. A son who's your own flesh and blood will be the heir. And he says, you've got to look beyond the status quo. I'm going to do something beyond that. I, I want you to get a vision of what that will be. So he says, look up at the sky, count the stars. If indeed you can count them, he says, then so shall your offspring be. Look up, lift your gaze, let me envision you. This time it's not about the dust of the earth. This time it's about the stars in the sky. Because what God's doing is he's just fine-tuning the lens. He's just adjusting it. And he's reinforcing the greatness of what is upon him. And he's saying it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you can imagine. It's bigger than you can perceive. It's bigger than you can achieve. Look at the stars in the sky. It's impossible to count them. So big are going to be your, the number of your descendants. You can't do this. It's not attached to you. It's attached to me. Again, we've got this reinforcement of I am the source, you are the steward. And what God is saying here in that moment of I'm the source and you're the steward is don't try and manufacture this. You're like, is my servant going to be the one? Do I have to leave everything for him? He's like, don't try and make this come about in your own efforts and with your own merit. The responsibility, the onus for this is on me. I'm going to do this. God is fine-tuning. He's focusing the lens that he gave Abraham back in Genesis 12. He's just adjusting it so that some things that are already there begin to come into clarity and begin to come into focus. And he does it in chapter 12, he does it in verse th uh, chapter 13, he does it in chapter 15, and then very finally as we transition towards a close, he does it again in Genesis 17. But this time there is a very interesting shift that comes in what is said. It says there, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I'll make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I've made you a father of many nations. 
I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings come from you. I'll establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I'll give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. And I will be your God. Just a few moments and we'll bring this into land. Time has passed since Genesis 12. And God again reinforces his vision and purpose to Abram. And he calls him what blameless before me. And he says, I'll make my covenant with you. Here's interesting language used. God's talking about covenants now. And a covenant is like a contract. It's a binding oath. And here's something that's just amazing about God. God's word is like his contract with us. Because he is faithful to his word. The scripture says he watches over it. In fact, the scripture says he watches over it ready to perform it. The scripture says his word doesn't return to him void. It doesn't return without accomplishing that which he sent it out to accomplish. So when God speaks vision and purpose to us, we can trust it. Amen? We can believe it. We can hang all of our tomorrows onto it because God is faithful and He does what He says He'll do. So if He speaks it, we can believe it. And in this passage in Genesis 17, once again, God just comes and He, he, he twists the lens and he, he begins to fine-tune the lens and He's bringing definition. And in fact, definition is exactly what He's bringing to Abraham because He says to Abraham, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change your definition. I'm changing your name from Abram to Abraham. The name Abram means exalted father. The name Abraham means father of many nations. God's purpose, the purpose of descendants and nations coming from him, God's purpose was about to define Abraham. It was about to become his identity and his definition. See, God's faithful to his word, so what he says he does. So when he speaks vision and purpose into our lives, we can trust it. We can trust it to the extent of becoming sold out for it. And we can become sold out in the pursuit of it, knowing that what God has promised will come to pass. So we can allow his vision and his purpose to shape the forward direction and journey of our lives. And when we do, we begin to find that in the pursuit of that promise and that purpose that we know he's faithful to achieve, when we pursue it, it begins to define define us and it begins to shape us. It becomes the defining influence in the way that we live our lives and what we're known for and what we live for. Glasgow, it's time to let the vision and purpose of God define us as a people. We believe that God is bringing us into a season and experience in which the purpose over our house is not just to be something that is a wishful expectation but it's about to be a very real definition. It's going to define our culture. It's going to define who we are, what we're known for, what we do. And as we land this, there's two other things that is brought out in this dialogue between God and Abram. God speaks and reinforces the vision, and then he gives a wee bit more detail. He, he gives further revelation and he gives detail to the original vision. He says, the whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I'm going to give as an everlasting possession to you and the descendants after you. Notice he now puts a name on the territory. 
Initially, Genesis 12, come out of your country to a place that I'm going to show you. Now a name is attached to that. Now definition is brought to that. This is the territory that he's giving to Abraham, and this is the territory that he's giving to the descendants of Abraham. And he reinforces that a second time when he says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. God says to him, a game-changing statement, what I'm purposing now will unfold within you and within the generations that come after you. He says again, this vision is bigger than you, Abraham. It stretches beyond you to the generations that come after you. In other words, you're stewarding this vision and purpose right now. And in the generations after you will come those who will steward and carry that vision in their generation. And how exciting is it to begin to think like this? That God entrusts us with his vision and his purpose that we carry that as stewards in our generation and we run and steward that purpose within our time, but there are those who will rise up after us who will continue to carry that vision and that purpose long after we do. Because the purpose isn't attached to us, it's attached to the God that spans the generations. It's not ours, it's his. The vision and purpose we run with belongs to him. Our role is just to demonstrate what he is doing. Church, we are to build that which will showcase God to the now, the next, and the not yet generations. And when we see that within this passage, that there's purpose here and vision is given and it's beyond him and and God is speaking to him and saying, here is the now, the next, the not yet. That's what you have to focus on, what I'm releasing within you. And and I'm going to give you a new lens in order to, to achieve that. When we begin to see that, we then begin to put the components together for us and see where we're at as a church in this process. The purpose that he gave us some time ago, to build for the now, the next, and the not yet, is that which he is now giving us the new lens to see because purpose and vision are intrinsically linked. So if we're getting this new lens and this new definition of what to look for, what to watch for, what to see, then that means that what's coming next is movement. As Graham, we are being invited into the move of God. We are being invited into the movement of God. We are invited to be moved by God. And we need to bring who we are as individuals, as a church, the components of our inner worlds and of our outer worlds and surrender them to be moved by Him. We need to step into the movement of God and we need to step out in obedience. But in this next season, as we begin to see movement, we have to always remind ourselves of this. This is not attached to us, it is attached to Him. This is bigger than us. He is the source. We are just the stewards. It's about Him and it's never to be about us. And the only way that we can steward then is with a heart of humility and with a heart of obedience that says that we're so committed to it not being about us that we constantly lift our eyes, lift our eyes, fine-tune the lens to make sure that we're always looking to Him and moving with him. It's time to embrace this lens as a people and begin to journey. And maybe for you, you're like, yes, I get this new lens stuff and I see it in my own life. 
we most definitely believe that God is doing it across the soul of the church. And that's normally reflected across our lives, but maybe for some of us, it's not like, well, I don't really see the new lens because actually what God is doing is He's coming to our hearts individually and going, actually, what I want to do is fine-tune your existing one. I want to adjust it. So that which is already on the landscape of your life is just brought into clarity. So that which you need to see can be seen. But whatever way it is, if we are getting reminded over and over and kind of at the place, if I'm honest, as pastor, where I'm like, Lord, can I speak about something else? But it's like, no, he keeps coming back to purpose, 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 purpose. And he's given us the new lens to see that, which means that what's coming next is this, it's movement. And I think over this coming year and the seasons that are ahead of us, we're going to see some very real movement happening within us. Movement from God, being called to move with God, being called to move by God. But as well as that, I think there's going to be regular times where he comes close and just nudges the lens again. Just nudges the lens again. In moments like today where we're in his presence, he'll nudge the lens again. Moments like today where these words come forward to speak into our individual lives. What's he doing through these words? He's adjusting our individual lenses, isn't he? But also moments that I call out now, I think there'll be some unsettling. I think there'll be some discomfort. I think there'll be some stripping back and building up. Because in these moments, he's coming time and time again. The purpose doesn't change, but the lens just needs nudged. So that which we can't, couldn't see before suddenly becomes clear. That which needs to be seen suddenly becomes seen. That which needs to be understood suddenly becomes understood. As we journey with this new lens, it's not a one-off thing. It's not a, a high finish on a Sunday where we're like, yes, new lens, let's go. It's this ongoing process where we learn and we learn and we learn. And we're reminded time and time and time again yield, humble, bow down, adjust. It's about me. It's not about you. It's not attached to you. It's attached to me. And I do want to say, you know, the beauty of understanding that this is attached to him also means it's not attached to a leader. It's not attached to personnel. It's not attached to leadership. It's not attached to structures. People and structures and leadership can come and go. But what we know is that the purpose will endure. Because the God that spans the generations, the God that is bigger than all of those things, this is his house. He has marked purpose for this house. He has mandated the journey for this house. And hell and high water can't stop him. But he comes close and he nudges. And he nudges. He brings clarity. He brings clarity. You know, the thing that strikes me about the nudging of the lens is that when you look through the lens of a camera, when you look through binoculars, sometimes in order to see what is further away, as you adjust the lens to that, that which is closer becomes not seen. And sometimes as the adjusting of the lens comes, it's about suddenly this next part of the picture being brought into perspective, but also being willing to lose sight and hold on to what has been or to adjust focus. Because God is saying, I was in that then, absolutely, and I was doing that, but actually now it's time to focus on this. 
And he does that so often within our own lives, doesn't he? Where he's like, you're becoming focused on this one thing. Susan is forever saying to me, you've become obsessed with this. Like, all you talk about is this. Some pain or some difficulty or some injustice or whatever. And I'm like, ah, and all, it's like you can't see the wood from the trees, isn't it? And there's times in which God's like, I just need to adjust the focus so that actually what you're focusing on is beyond what you're currently focused on. God is moving. Movement is coming. It's time to move with him, amen? You've been so patient. Let's stand and pray.